with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International with the most reverend Steve Parsons and New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Cola, right here on Tojanet Parrax Ghost Channel and beyond. Stephen? Good evening, good afternoon. God bless you. Yes, yes. You know, I, I actually was on Facebook and uh, I saw a photo of our, our friend Cal with a uh, collar on. What was all that about? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I mean, I can legitimately wear one because uh, I have, since the mid-1990s, been an accredited um, clergyman. Really? Yeah, I paid my $25 um, and have been... demons too? uh, It says I'm I'm licensed to perform... Uh, baptisms, christenings, exorcisms. Oh, cool! Uh, and a range of other things. It's a, it's, it's one of your American, uh, the Universal Life Church uh, from oh, California. Excellent. Um, pay you twenty five dollars. You two, you get a, you get a proper card and a certificate. And, and I, I, um, was, I assume you had years of training there, right? Oh, absolutely. I, um, I found a copy of the. Um, the Good News Bible and um, opened it, um, and that qualified me apparently. Oh wow, that's that's outstanding, you know that. Well, I mean, it's not just I'm not just the only one who can claim this. Uh, Robbie Williams, of course, the pop star, is a member of is a, a member of the same church, mm-hmm. um, and I I think it was about 2006. I upgraded. I paid an additional twenty five dollars, which means I'm now a reverend doctor. Uh, um, and a, uh, a bishop. So, yeah. It's not really? bad, is it? $50? Wow, that's not bad at all. You know, I, I'm impressed. So you can put uh, PhD after your name there? And... Um, no, I think you have to work a bit harder for a PhD. But uh, you can, for $50, uh, you know, people can set themselves up and bash the bishop. So that's amazing. All, the Eng- all the English listeners are now laughing at that joke. Oh, Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Had to be there. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. I'm really excited about your uh, your visit coming over here. Uh, hey, yeah, it's about six weeks, isn't it? Is yeah, it about six yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, bringing enlightenment and education to the colonies. Well, I I kind of think of it as my um, what's the word I'm looking for is I'm a missionary to teach you the ways of American ghost hunting. Uh, well, I hope I hope to learn a lot. Um, you know, well, it's a two-way exchange of information, after all. But well, you know, open mind. So, I mean, that will help. I, I'm completely open-minded, but you've got to remember that uh, we kind of invented it. Uh, modern ghost hunting. I mean, people have been ghost hunting for pff, as long as people 
Well, as long as people have been seeing ghosts. I mean, you know, the Greeks, uh, uh, the Greek philosopher uh, Pliny wrote about ghost hunting. Um, It it runs through all cultures, but... The the Egyptians did it. You can go see hieroglyphs on their their tombs. In fact, they have cave drawings of people ghost hunting. Do they have the K2 in the oval? I'm not sure. Their writing is a little difficult to understand. I think that's possibly the greatest contribution. There's something in their hand, Steve, and and I have a suspicion it is the K2, you know. It could could be uh, the K2. I mean, they they certainly had the battery. The Babylonians had a battery um, Mm -hmm. 3,000 years ago, so it's perfectly possible. Although, what, what I think would be interesting, I... Uh, just thinking back a few years ago, we actually realized that one of the shortcomings of any device measuring electromagnetism is, of course, it's itself an electromagnetic device. It generates yeah. a, a small electromagnetic field. So we we spent oh, several minutes inventing a clockwork EMF meter. Really? Uh, yeah, um, you know, we took we took the basics from a clockwork torch and added it to uh, a cell sensor, and uh, we did have a working clockwork EMF meter. Well, that um, sounds simply amazing. It's still it's still kicking around somewhere. I saw it a few weeks ago in amongst all of the uh, the, rem- the remnants of our ghost hunting history. Bring it with you. I, I might do if I can dig it out. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you, you, you know about the, the new Ouija board that's coming out, right? Uh, I don't. You're going to have to enlighten me. Oh, jeez. I thought you were on the cutting edge of ghost hunting. I'm sorry. Uh, now I'm on the wrong side of the Atlantic to be on the cutting edge. We don't have, you know, the great inventor technologies that, um, that you have. I mean, you know, the, the K2 from, from America, the Ovalis from America, Paranologies, uh, technology from America. I mean, our contribution is just common sense and good technique, I guess. And Gail Porter. Uh, and one Gail Porter. Oh, and of course, the casting crew of uh, television's most famous ghost hunting program. Most Haunted. Most Haunted. Right, which we're going to talk about in the second half of the show, a little bit about that. But... Uh, you know, talking about bizarre events, I think probably we should uh, play a Beyond Bizarre. We haven't played one of those in a long time. So what do you think? I'm all ears. Well, so I'll say to Sabrina, you want to run that for us, please? Well, they're doing that. <laughs> hey, at least we're talking this week, and that's more than enough. Yeah, it'll win a bit. Right, here it comes. Okay. The Corpse Flower. No list of botanical oddities would be complete without the one and only Corpse Flower. Named for its extremely potent corpse-like smell, Amorphophallus typanum is also one of the largest flower structures in the world. Growing up to 12 feet tall and 5 feet wide in the wild with leaves that can exceed 20 feet, the corpse flower, also known as a titan arum, is both ghastly and breathtaking. You actually will want to hold your breath when near it in its fullest bloom. You actually will want to hold your breath when near it in its fullest bloom. The flower comes 
Okay, let's just start that whole one again. I'm going to edit a little bit while I'm reading. The Corpse Flower. No list of botanical oddities would be complete without the one and only corpse flower. Named for its extremely potent corpse-like smell, the Morphophallus titanum is also one of the largest flower structures in the world. Growing up to 12 feet tall and 5 feet wide in the wild, with leaves that can exceed 20 feet, the corpse flower, also known as the titanarum, is both ghastly and breathtaking. The flower comes before the leaves, although the plant needs to be at least 6 years old before it can bloom. When it does, a large mottled spike pushes up from the ground, slowly unfurling to reveal a beautiful, deep red velvet outer space and a three-foot dirty green spike in the center. When fully open, the bloom of the corpse flower begins to live up to its rotten reputation, for it emits the strongest and most foul of decomposing flesh-like odors. The smell is caused by the most wicked of essential oils, putrescines and cadaverines. A foul beauty, a corpse flower looks like something from the musical Little Shop of Horrors, and anyone who has seen and smelled it will not quickly forget its cadaverous horrors. A frightening fact from Barla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar. All right. Can we do any more outtakes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting is that corpse flower is actually blooming uh, about two weeks ago it began to bloom I I recall you put something about it onto Facebook um, yeah, yeah yeah a real stinker obvi- obviously Val was were recently visited the flower when she made that <laughs> recording <laughs> uh, oh we've all done it take mm-hmm. 4,963 4, so anyways um it, She's, I love Viola, by the way. I had her on the show because she wrote a book on mermaids, which was really cool. So, uh, you know, I know that's something not for you. Otherwise, I would have had her on this show. What's wrong with mermaids? We have them here in West Wales. Yeah, you do? Yeah, it's an area renowned for its mermaids and mermen. Mermen? Mermen. You you don't have any mermen? We have no mermen. Well, Except except Ethel Mermen. Uh, so, how is it you get new mermaids, then? How do they breed? How do they make out? Like I really don't know. Anyways, getting off that subject. Okay. <laughs> it moved along. I was talking about the Ouija board, and right, uh, you were unaware that uh, Hasbro, who owns the patent to the Ouija board, of course, um, has come up with a brand new Ouija board, and I will have my mitts on one by the end of the week. So, I'm really excited about this. Uh, it actually requires uh, three batteries, so uh, there you go. Um, it is going high tech like everything else. Oh, I remember back in the was it the eighties, nineties? Um, I have one somewhere—a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board that Hasbro yep. bought out. Um, yep. So, so what's new about the new one? Oh, the new one—they've gone back to uh, the old-fashioned design and so forth, and. But the the uh, planchette is actually uh, UV lighted, right? Yeah. So I how's mean, that? Work? How does that? Because historically speaking, of course, um, yeah. we know we know from you know from spirit from the spiritualist community that uh, the spirit world prefers operating in red light. Uh, that's why you have the traditional red light red lit seances. Um, 
ultraviolet is the exact opposite end of the electromagnetic light spectrum. So, yeah, I mean, but it... you got you got the the full spectrum cameras now. That's a UV. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking if you've got a, a UV planchette, aren't you going to scare the bejesus away from the spirits? Because if they can't operate in, you know, if they prefer red, yeah, but maybe and you're giving them ultraviolet. It, you maybe might just be... maybe they can't see it it's beyond their their uh, vision. Well, it might have just turned into a ghost zapper. You know, one of those bug zapper things that you put on the wall and uh, in restaurants. You could end up with like it flashing away as you're. It's a hitting you exorcist tool. Mm-hmm. A go- the first spirit zapper. Well, I will tell you. I've just had an idea for you. Because I will have it in my little hands by the end of the week, and my paranormal study group is actually going to take it out for a spin. So. Uh, We'll, we'll let you, I'll let you know. I'll let you know well, what's going on with this new Ouija board. And, and... No, c- keep it a surprise. Show it me in, in, in the flesh, so to speak, at Spirit Quest. Right. And, Let's and, get down and dirty with ultraviolet Ouija boards. There you go. And, and the other interesting the fact. Bug zapper. Chris, we're going to have one of the large collections of uh, Ouija boards uh, at Spirit Quest. We're going to have some of the real old ones. That, that's yeah. that's the bit. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to because um, I think you know that I have a smaller collection of Ouija boards. Some of them are quite old. Some of them are fairly historic. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that collection because uh, it's something that they fascinate me. I, there, you know, as a cultural piece, um, as a as a game, of course, um, as a children's toy. In fact, one of the, the strangest Ouija boards I have, um, which is right next to me, uh, that's what the clattering noise is. Back in uh, ooh, the the dark mists of time, before it became very politically incorrect, Harper's Collins, uh, the public uh, the publishing house, brought out a book called The Ghost Files. And it's actually based on Harry Price and the Society for Psychical Research, and it's 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 a work of fiction, but it's it's based upon um, you know sort of these these real people and some of the real cases. But right at the back of the book, now bear in mind this book is for five plus, as it says under the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it folds out, and you can pull out from inside it a Ouija board. Oh wow! Um, Needless to say, the book didn't last very long before the those uh, in authority decided it was not a great idea, and so it was pulled off the shelves and copies were burned. Why did they consider it not a great idea? Um, well, you know what the do-gooders are like. You have children, you, you know, with uh, with with our modern movement towards uh, political correctness and not not allowing us to have anything sharp or hard, or you know, we might hurt ourselves. So. This book arrived on the shelves. Uh, I don't know how many copies were bought. Uh, the, 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 the do-gooders were suitably enraged. Uh, letters were written. Complaints were made and all of the books disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, well, several survived. I know I've got a copy. Um, but it does have a fold-out uh, Ouija board at the back of it with detailed instructions on how you and your schoolmates can talk to the dead. Well, that's that's really interesting, and of course you know that Hasbro came up with the Bobby Ouija board, of course, and its pink carrying case, and uh, yep. it actually has its little things. And and uh, you know I I, I used to uh, do spectral evidence. I still do every for ten years now. I've done spectral evidence in October at the Festival of Dead in Salem, 
And I always ask, you know, uh, who thinks Ouija board's evil to all the people there? It's usually about 100 or so. And, you know, you'll get about 90 percent that will put their hands up. And then I go behind the projection screen and come out with my pink uh, body. <laughs> I say, how can this be evil? You know, and uh, by the way, my friend Richard Steelix stole that on me, by the way. I, I I recall uh, I spent some time. There was a, I, it was a it was a bit mean of me. It was about ten years ago, and um, a, a medium I knew said that Ouija boards were evil. They were the work of the devil, and that yeah. she couldn't work. She could sense them. She could sense their evil aura um, because um, she wouldn't have one anywhere near her. So she was doing paid readings at the time. So uh, the devil in me decided to test this idea that she claimed she could sense the evil presence of the Ouija board. So I taped one underneath the reading table for a whole day uh, while she did her readings, her tarot cards and the crystal ball and everything else. And the day went perfectly well. And at the end of the day, I removed the Ouija board and she, to this, well, if she's listening to the show, she'll know all about it now. Um, but obviously... The table must have blocked its evil aura. Really? It, well, it must have done because she had not not a clue it was there, taped underneath the table, two inches from her fingers the whole time. Huh. Just, I mean, it, it seemed like a logical test because you know she was making this claim that she could sense the presence of right, the Ouija right. board. It is, it is. But evidently, so, there was some type of shielding there that was able to protect her. So, that's well, I think the main the main shielding was the fact she didn't know it was there. Hmm. You know, the old saying, to curse somebody, you've got to, first of all, tell them that they're cursed. That's true. That's true. So, anyways, uh, in addition to Ouija boards, they they have a new, uh, well, it's not too new, but they have a planchette now that uh, actually measures pressure when people apply it so they can see if someone's dragging it or pushing it or pulling it. So, I thought that's... Yeah, we see, there's nothing new there, is it? Because I was reading an article recently that a psychologist has published his research that demonstrates the idiomotor effect that the motive force, the power for the planchette, is coming from the sitters um, rather from rather than uh, directly from spirit. Um, because this is no, but this nobody is believes no, that anymore. Nobody believes the spirits pushing it. They all believe that. The, yeah, the, but this psycho, this psychologist, come up with this idea. You know, he's done this research, and you know, he published his research proving the idiomotor effect. And of course, now you've got you've just told me about this uh, pressure-sensitive planchette. But of course, if you go all the way back to the birth of spiritualism um, and the late 1840s, the physicist uh, Michael Faraday. Uh, was it you know uh, perplexed by this problem being uh, posed by spiritualism and you know and the use of Ouija boards and he designed a double de- uh, double uh, a special table with a double top on it and that you know that demonstrated unequivocally unequivocally that uh, the motive power is coming from the sitters. There's, there's nothing new. This is no new discovery. Uh, you know, within three or four years of spiritualism making the claim for table tipping and the planchette, science had investigated it and debunked it. But nonetheless, 150 plus years later, we're still accepting it as a fact that people can use these lumps of wood and pieces of cardboard to, to talk to dead people. Mind you, 
you talk to flashing lights as well. So. Right. So, I mean, if anybody who really works with it will tell you that uh, it's the spirit that does not move it, the spirit moves it through the persons on the board or the table or, or the pendulum or whatever. I mean, we all know that. Anybody who has done any research at all understands that. Well, obviously, obviously, I haven't done very much research because I would, I would rather consider another possibility. What is that? Maybe, well, um, the simplest one of all—that maybe the sitters are just pushing the damn thing. You don't have to have a spirit pushing the, uh, driving the sitters to drive the planchette. It could just be, and in fact, I've got video evidence to, to well, demonstrate. Well, it could very well point. be just people pushing the thing, but it doesn't mean... Yeah, but you just said we all know that the spirits drive the sitters. Yeah, we, absolutely, we absolutely do, but it's the spirit we drives absolutely. through the person. So all this atomical stuff is, is uh, what's really driven it. It's, it's the spirit goes through the body as a channeler, basically. And uh, moves the moves the planchette, the pendulum. There's, there's no possibility then that, that the sitters are just pushing it all by themselves, completely unaided. There, is. there absolutely is. That's why you have to distinguish between uh, those who are aware of what's going on and those who are unaware of what's going on. And how do you do that? In fact, in actual fact, there is a method, um, and it's uh, there have been. Um, seance sessions where you have what's called a dropping communicator where they're not expecting um the apparent spirit mm-hmm. um and the information that is provided is unknown to all of the sitters and that was indeed the case with the harry price um eileen garrett r101 sessions were because they'd actually started the seance in order to for uh, the journal, a journalist and Harry Price to talk directly with the recently deceased Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. What they weren't expecting was that uh, Captain Irwin, uh, the pilot of uh, a plane that had crashed on a transatlantic flight, uh, broke through uh, the seance with information that was unknown to anybody. Uh, nobody had ever heard of this guy or his attempt. Uh, he'd, he'd taken off in secret to fly the Atlantic. Um, and gone missing on on route. So that's what's called a dropping communicator, and those sort of cases do exist. Now, they are much more compelling than your, uh, let's all sit round the table during a ghost hunt and play shove the the planchette round. Really? I'm sorry, I've just put uh, a Slimer sweet. Uh, I've just given a tin of Ghostbuster sweets. Oh, really? That's good, yeah. Um... And they're all in the shape of Slimer. So, stupidly, thinking it was a, a sucky sweet, Slimer sours. So, oh, uh, I, I apologise. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, I mean... From your neck of the woods, actually, Woburn, Massachusetts. That's, that's actually not too far from here. So, there you go. Anyway... It says Ouija board. Really? Yeah. Don't, they, don't yeah. they still make them in Salem? The Ouija board? Yeah. Hasbro makes them. I thought they were made in. I've got some that were made in Salem. Right, Parker Brothers at one time yeah. uh, made them, and also my good friend uh, Robert Murch, uh, who is is probably the expert on the Ouija board. Uh, he has done so much for for the Ouija board, including uh, 
in, in fact, I was lucky enough to be part of that as well in raising money to get a gravestone for the person who patented the Ouija board in Baltimore. So, I mean, that's he set up the uh, museums uh, for his exposition. He is probably the largest collector of Ouija boards. Uh, Jason Robito, who is going to be the expert, quest, is uh, actually, I don't know, he's probably got his collection almost the same size as Bob's and, and is, is certainly as uh, um, knowing as he did. So I, I'm excited about... Uh, it is. It's, it's going to be one of the highlights of Spirit Quest for me to see that collection and talk to talk to the uh, the curator. And, and he has an interesting story about him too, about the collection in his house that he wasn't worried about, and then uh, certain things that began to happen. Uh, his his uh, wife is actually a uh, witch, and uh, once they were uh, cleansed, then the activity stopped, which was kind of interesting. Just, just um, obviously, there have been several books written about the Ouija board. Right. One of the most famous, of course, being Stoker Hunt's The Most Dangerous Game. And it just fell open. I was just flicking through it. And, of course, at the moment, we've got The Conjuring um, running through the movie houses and cinemas over here in the UK. It's probably already been... Yeah, it's, um, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it says, in the last chapter, we learned that Ed and Lorraine Warren believe the dead do not communicate through the Ouija board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. that spirits who do communicate by the Ouija board are non-humans masquerading as humans. I mean, that's a $64,000 question. I mean, do we know who we're communicating at any times? And on all my radio shows, when I talk to mediums, when they tell me certain things, it's their reality. It's not uh, not necessarily the truth, but it's what they believe. It's their reality. It's what they they believe in. I'd like to. I'd like to do a program on the Warrens. You would. Yeah, a study of the mad and the bizarre. Ooh. <laughs> there, I've said it now. Mm. Amityville and all that. Right. Uh, you, the, the, you know, the problem... that Ed is dead, right? I know Ed's dead. Yeah. Um, Lorraine was doing some promo work for The Conjuring. Uh, it was shown on uh, the the promos were shown on television. I mean, the, therein lies so much of the problem with the paranormal, doesn't it? You've uh, you've got so many movies that that come out as based on a true story, and actual fact that they're stretched. You know, the, the truth is somewhat elastic, um, and based on a true story means it. It's like the the motion picture Memphis Bell, um, based upon, of course, that famous uh, B seventeen bomber, and the only the only truth in the whole movie was the name of the aircraft. Oh, well, that finished the conversation. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I was just reading a question from the chat room. The Tojinet chat room is down, of course, and uh, we are. Uh, but, uh, we we still can communicate with you through the Pararex chat room as well. Or the planchette. Uh, I, I don't have mine going. So. Well, anyways, there's the music, which means we have to take a break. Go out, listen, go. Welcome to Talking Head. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. bring it back or am i gonna bring i'll tell do it welcome back to ghost chronicles international with the aging but still adorable van helsing <laughs> and <laughs> and me over here in the sunny united kingdom steve parsons uh we're on Togginet, para x ghost channels god knows where else and beyond uh, yeah, we're back yes as it says in the chat room they're back what a great trailer that was though for para x Yes, it was. Para yeah. X on Para X on acid. Uh, you know, it's like an old record player that's just starting to go on you. You know. What you mean? Anyways, uh, I saw a uh, question in the chat room. It says, uh, "Who was better, Karen Keith, Matthew Smith, Cal Cooper, or Louis Avad? Which is better and why?" And I, I don't think you want to answer. That. Uh, well, it depends on what she's better at. What? Um, I mean, they all have their they all have their good points. Yeah, I um, you know, so better at basket weaving. Um, 
better at parapsychology, better at magic, because as we all know, Matt Smith is an accomplished uh, conjurer and magician. Cal is uh, is a respected author and telephone engineer. Louis Sava, um, (laughs) all round good guy. Um, They've all got they've all got their pros and cons. Yeah. I wouldn't let any of them into a haunted house unaccompanied, though. Yeah. I mean, so, the I mean, last person you should let anywhere near a haunted location is a parapsychologist. Right. The way I look at it, I, I mean, I, I consider you probably the better of all of them, uh, you know, just on your sheer uh, looks alone. Um, well, I, I don't think on looks because uh, I don't think that's actually important in what I do. But parapsychology is... is I mean, I mean, would you talk to someone who was ugly or someone who was good looking? Uh, have you seen some ghosts? I mean, Slimer, he's he's not the most attractive creature. Yeah, but There's I mean... Some, some of those ones off Scooby-Doo. I mean, it's like guys, you know, they, they look at women and they want the attractive ones. So I would imagine the ghosts feel the same way, you know, no matter what it's like. Possibly, possibly. So anyways... Uh, you mentioned a couple of them, which were actually on a English TV show that's now defunct, and it is called uh, Most Haunted. And I believe uh, you were on that show yourself. I I made a brief appearance. Yes, I was uh, for five episodes. Uh, and what's that annoying noise? Oh, it's the chat room. Um, I was on it for five episodes. Let me just mute that because otherwise it's going to drive me up the wall. Um, for five episodes and one one of the live shows, um, mm-hmm. three night live. Um, oh, where was the live show? It was from Portsmouth, UK. Um, oh, get out of here! You know what's really strange? Now you talk about weird stuff. Is is I did my pirate ghost crew on cruise on Saturday, and from Portsmouth uh, Harbour. Yeah, Portsmouth Harbour, and not only that, a couple on board were from Portsmouth, England. What you've also got to think think about the strangeness of is haven't you also got very close to Pembroke? I do. Which is which is where I live. Really? Yeah. Anyway, back to Most Haunted. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I made a brief appearance. With, uh, so I, I was more of Kieran's stunt double. Um, you know, just a, a stand-in for the star parapsychologist. Um, they they wanted to bring some gravitas to the program, um, you know, some real ghost hunting skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they drafted me into to um, stand in for Kieran while he was engaged elsewhere. He was actually moving, relocating home at the time. Um, and it, it, you know, if you remember that the show is primarily for entertainment, um, it's it's a good show and it stands it stands the test of time well because it did introduce an awful lot of people to the concept of ghost hunting as a social pastime um, and as a you know as a, one or two cases as a career choice um, and it spawned you know a whole host of Facebook pages and internet sites um, and ghost hunt opportunities for people. But uh, it, it is. I agree with you. It's certainly an enjoyable show. I certainly uh, enjoyed it. But uh, a live show, I mean, how is that different than the regular shows, Steve, for, especially for you? Uh, well, in terms of the live shows, they, they were actually, as it says, live. Uh, and there was a, a, an, 
there was a, a live audience, um, usually in a, a large theatre or, or uh, similar, uh, who were able to sort of watch and participate. Some of the live audience actually came out onto the locations um, to join in the ghost hunting. The ghost hunting was more or less as you see it on the TV, except obviously the timescales were somewhat compressed because normally for the uh, for the series programmes, you, you were at a location for a full 24 hours, whereas for a live show, uh, it was running live for around about three or four hours, depending on uh, whichever series it was. Uh, and so it was, it was a more compressed uh, timescale. And it was more of a, realistically, um, I think most of the crew did consider it more of an opportunity originally as a... Uh, a chance to meet the audience, to meet the fans, and get them involved into the show. Uh, right. But it it turned into something else because, um, with the compressed timescale and of course the need to ramp up the the experience and ramp up the sort of viewer excitement, they did start to undertake some of the some uh, bizarre. Uh, things you know as as the series evolved uh you know burying people alive, lowering them down uh wells uh putting them in uh, cages and shooting lightning bolts at them, uh, none of which really um in my opinion had very much to do with the art of ghost hunting, but it certainly had you know a lot to do with the art of playing the audience um and and upping the ratings but you know. I was only on it for a, for a very short period of time. Right. Um, you know, last last October we actually did a, an event uh, up where we're doing Spirit Quest this year, which is October fourth through the sixth, up at uh, Groveland, Massachusetts, the haunted Vizi Estate. But we, I took some pages from Most Haunted. I did a multimedia uh, event where we had uh, live things going on on the stage, and we sent out Cal and Ross Bartlett out into the thing and uh we we had them on video and and they reported in as as things happened and transpired and uh we had a live uh um artist on there like um oh, oh uh, brian shepherd the psychic artist brian shepherd right we did that and it was it, it was a neat event it really was and i and i i got that from most haunted and i and i found that uh, interesting, and, and most of the audience did too, as well. What I what I have found um, slightly unusual is that if you look at um, the American shows that followed Most Haunted, um, so you have, of course, the famous one, Ghost Hunters, uh, yeah. Super Mario Brothers, chasing around looking for ghosts, mm-hmm. um, and then there was there was Dead Famous, and of course, now we've got you know a whole raft of others, Ghost Adventures, etc., etc. None of them have a live show. So is that because it doesn't work in that format over in America? Because we're importing the shows here into the UK, but we're not having the... There is no live import. So I guess the idea doesn't really, doesn't really work with an American audience. And, and in reality, uh, the ghost uh, hunters tried it, and so did the ghost adventurers. They, they both uh, did a Halloween special uh, live show. Uh, it's... They just don't know how to do it. I think Most Haunted did it well, and I think the American groups just really don't know how to do it and keep the uh, audience occupied as, as Most Haunted did. Ah, but some of the chat shows just And I don't even know if they had the, the, the following 
you know, you're a small country, country, but you, you had a most haunted had a really good following over there. Uh, it, it absolutely did. Um, the viewing figures, it, it, it became, a, a, well, it was an international cult. Um, and as I said, it was the, the forerunner show of, of many, many others. But rather unusually, uh, certainly here in the UK, um, although there were attempts to make follow-up shows of that genre, um, mm-hmm. it never really, nobody has ever really uh, mastered the uh, the art of, you know, TV ghost hunting. All of the shows now that, that we have over here on the UK TV networks are American imports, like Ghost Adventures, uh, which is, you know, big over here at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they're filming a, current, a new series in Australia now, uh, Haunted Australia. Um, Haunted I know. Haunted Australia is old. Um, well, they're, they're filming a new series with British, uh, there's some, some British uh, investigator psychics over there at the moment filming. Um, but do you know British uh, television production doesn't seem to have uh, picked up the baton and ran with it. Um, you know, they they pioneered it. You know, but that's a British disease, isn't it? You know, we we invent supersonic flight and then we we scrap it. We invent the hovercraft and then we scrap it. We invent the TV ghost hunting program and we scrap it. But yeah, it's really interesting. My first. How I got involved with the British and, and including you is originally was um, we did a live uh, simul broadcast uh, on uh, internet. Uh, three groups from three continents. Uh, so it was kind of cool. We had uh, Haunted Devon from the UK and uh, we were in uh, Rhode Island at the Sprague Mansion and also we had Haunted. Uh, most haunted Australia uh, from some theater, and it was all different uh, locations, different continents, different groups, and it went pretty good. In fact, uh, it was so much interest in it, we actually crashed uh, Ghost Village's website, which uh, is interesting because they have a, a really good website that handles uh, millions of uh, listeners. So that was that was kind of cool that we were able to do that. So. I don't think I don't think the interest is showing any sign of waning. Uh, we all thought over here, uh, with the demise of Most Haunted, that there would be a slackening and a lessening of interest, that it would quieten down and people would move on to the next thing, uh, perhaps UFOs or, or something else. But Bigfoot. no, go, well, we don't have Bigfoot. Um, well, I'll bring one over. Okay. Um, but no, it, it, it's as popular as it ever was. Um the techniques now over here, the ones that you see on, on the public access ghost hunts and actually being used uh, by the ghost hunting teams do seem to be the uh, more of the American import techniques using a lot of the technology um, that we, you know, we've, we've mentioned uh, over, over different episodes of the show, the K2, the Ovilus, the Ovilus X, um, mm-hmm. and all of these other various uh, incarnations of devices with flashy lights and, uh, they're supposed to tell you if ghosts are present or, or whether they're trying to communicate with you. But that's a very, very recent phenomena. Um, EVP is probably the big thing. Um, well, EVP is you know, pretty old. But anyways, we have to take a quick break right now. So 
Uh, you listen to Ghost Chronicles, uh, Next Gener- I mean, <laughs> International, Steve Parsons, Ron Kolick. We'll be right back after this episode of Cemetery Tripping. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I feature a different cemetery in each episode. If you'd like to see my cemetery photography, please visit my Cemetery Tripping page on Facebook. Today we will actually visit two cemeteries, which seem to mesh into one. The newer cemetery is Lakeview Cemetery, and the older cemetery is Oak Grove Cemetery, both located in Infield, New Hampshire. They meet somewhere in the middle, near a beautiful old wrought iron fountain. Since I am based in Massachusetts, for me to visit a cemetery in another state generally means that I am either camping, on vacation, or on an investigation. In this case, I was on an investigation with New England Ghost Project and Ron Van Helsing Kolick. We were at the Great View Roller Rink to look into the haunting of this local entertainment spot, and Lakeview Cemetery is located directly behind the rink. How could I resist? Accompanying me on this cemetery tripping were my friends Leslie Marden and Karen Rock, both of whom are psychic mediums. As we walked towards the cemetery, Leslie told me that she had a vision of an unusual stone, one that she felt didn't belong there. She described it as having a large hole in the middle, and something that we would recognize as soon as we saw it. As we ducked under the fence to enter Lakeview Cemetery, we began to look around for Leslie's stone. One of the things that I did notice immediately was the fantastic and beautiful view, even on a misty evening, of the lakeshore. It was literally like a picture postcard. Enfield was populated by the Shakers, who settled here in 1782 and ran mills here until approximately 1915, when their ranks thinned and the last of them left to go to Canterbury, New Hampshire, to join another Shaker family. Most of the stones in Lakeview were from the 20th century and newer, and fairly unremarkable, although we did see some interesting laser carvings. Wild turkeys scattered as we approached the older Oak Grove Cemetery. I wish that the intricate wrought iron fountain was working as we passed it, and could only imagine it in its heyday. Oak Grove dates from approximately 1850 and has some nice carvings of the day, such as hands pointing towards heaven, anchors, flowers, and a few flags. There is also a wonderful crypt with lovely bronze doors set into the side of the hill. It began to rain harder, and we turned to go back towards the rink. As we approached the edge of Lakeville Cemetery, Leslie said, There it is, and pointed out the stone that she had seen in her vision. It was exactly as she had described, and very unusual. I can't say that I've ever encountered a stone like it in my graveyard travels. It was comprised of three pieces of granite, which formed a square, with a large opening in the middle. The stone was erected for Ralph and Inez Newman, who were born in 1881 and 1885, respectively. I wonder if perhaps there was supposed to be an additional piece inserted in the middle of the stone, perhaps with a picture or carving? This will have to remain an unsolved mystery, but I am glad that we were able to locate the stone Leslie had seen. If you are ever in the Enfield area, stop by these cemeteries and take in the gorgeous scenery, and maybe take a spin at the haunted Great View Roller Rink. There you go. Oh, that was spooky. Mm. That was a good investigation. I like them. I like them. 
Yeah, go. We investigated a roller skating rink, and I even got to do roller skating. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that one being done before. A haunted roller skating rink? Hmm. Yeah, no, I can imagine it. You, you could do uh, it's a new version. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the human pendulum, but you could do the human planchette. Well, that's an interesting thing I didn't think about. They actually had some letters uh, and numbers around the walls, and see if the spirits will shove somebody round. They they had uh, little wooden horses you could ride. So you can have horse races. Get out. Seriously. I love America. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we actually have a question from the Parrax chat room, and, and uh, it's uh, from Fred, and he says, uh, how were you brought on to, to Most Haunted, and, and, and how did they select the parapsychologists, you know, Karen and the rest of the world? Um, well, it, it, I... I um... I arrived quite late in the show, obviously, so mm-hmm. I don't know all of the uh, all of the details of how they got. Uh, the but I mean, Karen was there for the whole journey, right? Uh, well, actually, no, because Matt Smith was actually the first parapsychologist um, who was at the end of. If you look at series one, and um, Matt was uh, shown the footage and then would do a f- two or three minute piece to camera at the end from the editing suite. Oh, okay. Uh, um, reviewing the footage and then that sort of gradual i think kieran did a few stand-ins and then of course once jason carl the investigator left they changed the format of the show uh, to bring the parapsychologist in in uh, into the investigation team but i um i'd met kieran um some some considerable time earlier working on um another tv show uh, over here which was a live format television celebrity ghost hunt show called i'm famous and frightened um and then so we we'd obviously we we knew each other and kieran and yvette were writing their book ghost hunters and were were uh, looking for locations uh, in order to be able to investigate and research and they turned to to parascience to to work alongside them uh, with at the locations as part of the the small investigate book investigation team, and so that was really the first time I'd, I'd met Yvette. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was during the those investigations that the uh, the idea I think it came from Yvette originally um, of having an, another ghost hunter on the show um, sort of happened. And then when a little while later, Kieran, of course, was relocating um, from the UK. Um, he lived in France or he was moving to France and, and wasn't able to actually take part in some of the filming. So uh, I got a call. Um, would, I, would I like to, to participate? And of course, absolutely. I mean, I, I'd done plenty of documentary TV. Wait, and wait, done, did you get paid I, for this? Um, <laughs> Okay. Not as much, not as much as right Richard along. Felix. Not as much. Do I drive a Porsche like <laughs> Richard Felix? I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was a great opportunity. I'd done live television with uh, I'm Famous and Frightened. I'd done lots of documentary work, uh-huh. um, and so it was. You know, everybody had seen Most Haunted. It was a, it was absolutely at its zenith um, when I when I uh, was asked to join, and it was a great opportunity to see the show from the inside and to see the the investigations um, from the inside to see how the crew worked, how the team were working and to actually see for myself, um, you know, without the, the distancing of an editing suite and the TV screen, 
actually what was taking place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't, I know we're running out of time, but I, I do want to mention that you are coming over here, of course, in the end of September. Have, haven't we mentioned that yet? Yeah, and um, I, I know that we have several events uh, lined up, in, in, including uh, a ghost hunt, uh, which is going to be Harry Price style, which is kind of excited. Uh, you were telling me a little bit about it today, and I'm I'm uh, really excited about it. And it should be uh, it's at the old Manson uh, Concord, which is a tremendously haunted and historic building. And I'm really excited about being able to do this. And and not only that, I I want to see how, um, you know how it differs from the way Americans uh, do their ghost hunting nowadays because we're pretty much all on the same formula now. And so this this could be kind of interesting. I'm really excited about that. And and that's going to be uh, at the end of September. So. Uh, I mean, are you looking forward to it as well? I mean, is I'm unbelievably looking forward to it, and and also you're absolutely right. I, it's not just over in America, but over here in the UK, we have this almost standard formula um, method of ghost hunting. But what I think a lot of people, every, of course, most people have heard of Harry Price and uh, Borley Rectory, but what most people don't realise is that that he is at the very root of the modern ghost hunting methodology. Um, but we've moved so far away from that that I think it's good to touch base with the old methods and to to look at the lessons um, and to review review the techniques because you know we we race forward you know we we get new technology almost on a weekly almost on a daily basis mm-hmm. um, you know we've we've gone from analog to digital um, in you know in the blink of an eye. And sometimes if we look back through the history of ghost hunting, there were some extraordinary claims being made and some extraordinary evidence being presented by these old school investigators, the guys who, who didn't have the benefit of the, the K2 and the Ovalis. In fact, they didn't have the benefit of very much at all. Uh, Harry did have a ghost hunting kit. Um, and some of some of the things in it we would still recognise today. Some of them um, wouldn't be allowed today, like the like his bowl of mercury for detecting vibrations. Nowadays, of course, we've all got geophones for doing that. Um, but the, all of the techniques that we use in 2013 um, are pretty much traceable back to Harry Price. And I think it'd be really good, you know, to go old school. Um, and to to revisit and and maybe learn some of the lessons, relearn some of the lessons that, that have uh, slipped. And that's exactly what we're going to do with this ghost hunt at the old man. So I, I'm really excited about it. And then I, I I come up with one, of course, because I can't let things be. And it, it's uh, <laughs> it's paranormal survivor most haunted versus ghost hunters, which is kind of interesting uh, style. Most haunted versus uh, Super Mario Brothers, you mean? Do we have... So is one team team comprise uh, a film crew and a makeup lady and the other team comprise plumbers and run around going, Dude, run! No. No? No? No. That's how I envisage it. No, it, it's going to be interesting, and, and I just heard the bell, so I know that we've only got a couple of minutes left. But uh, if you go to our website, which is the letter N, the letter E, N-E, 
ghostproject.com. All the information will be up there. Right now, uh, we're switching servers, so there's some shell stuff, but uh, be more can detailed I, very shortly. Um, can I just answer a question on, um, on the chat room? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Fred Barn has just asked, is Steve writing a book? The answer is the contract arrived today and a book will arrive on your shelves late 2014. The subject and the, the content of it will be a secret until much nearer the time. What? What? You're writing a book? Yeah, finally. Fi well, you see, the thing is, everybody, oh, wait, everybody in their cat have written a book. You have a ghostwriter, right? No. It's going to be written, typed with my own fur keyboard. Mm. All right, this I got to see. I didn't even think you were literate, but that's all right. We'll, we'll have to take a look at this. So you're not going to mention your magazine, to which you've had me contributing Shit. an article? <laughs> <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're out of time here on uh, Ghost Chronicles International with my ex-host, uh, <laughs> So, anyways, uh, stay oh, you tuned. do like your little secrets. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> you just killed that. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, tune in next week. And, of course, tune in tomorrow night for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anna and Ron. And, Steve, uh, you just have a good night there. And uh, don't choke on one of those ghost hunter gummies. I'll try my hard, not, hardest not to. Good night. Okay. Good night. God bless, everyone. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.